sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Amen. Amen. Well, the church is a house of prayer. And I don't know if a certain brother that prayed that this evening saw the title on my notes, but he didn't. But the church is a house of prayer. And that was prayed and encouraged my heart um, that someone else is on the same wave and and thinking as I'm thinking. I'd like to bring a message entitled, The Church is a House of Prayer. And I'll ask you to turn with me to Matthew 21. We'll be looking at verses 12 and 13. And I won't be preaching the entire text. I, I won't be preaching all of from all of the words of, of these two verses, but just one small section that we find in the last verse. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple. And overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And we will concentrate on verse 13, but let us go to the Lord in prayer again. Father, how we thank you for your holy word, how we thank you that we can, can read the Word of God and that we can, we can think upon your thoughts. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts as, as, as the heavens are higher than the earth. And how we pray, O oh God, that we would think your thoughts tonight, that you would give us grace to think as you would have us to think from your Holy Word. Guide us, we pray. Bless your weak servant and bless your weary people. We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. 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 And so I'm preaching on this part of chapter 21, verse 13. My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Now Jesus is quoting... Isaiah 56 and verse 7, and he's also quoting from Jeremiah chapter 7. In Isaiah 56, 7, he says, Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. And that brings us into the new covenant when he says for all people. And then in Jeremiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 8, he says, Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will ye steal 
murder and commit adultery and swear falsely and burn incense unto Baal, idolatry, and walk after other gods whom ye know not, and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. Verse 11, Is this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers? That's the quotation of our Lord Jesus. In your eyes, behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. And now, the church is the house of God. It is no longer a physical temple, as was also prayed this evening. The church is the house of God. And, by extension, the church is the house of prayer, as our brother prayed this evening. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul said to Timothy, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, I want to give us an exhortation tonight on praying together as a church. Oftentimes, we exhort God's people to pray individually. <clears throat> Often, we uh, focus on the individual. Did you know most of the exhortations to pray in the New Testament are to churches? And they're not to individuals, but they are to the churches. <clears throat> and we would like to just look at that this evening, praying together as a church, the church being a, a house of prayer. We know that there is a sifting happening in America and in the world today. And we need to pray together. We need to be a people who know how to pray in times of persecution. We do need that. <clears throat> what will the churches do when the U.S. government takes away our freedom? We need to pray. Jesus said, watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Well, God says <clears throat> in his holy word that... The church is a house of prayer. My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. My house shall be called a house of prayer. God's people are identified as a people who pray. <clears throat> what is the church? God tells us here in our text, the church is a house of prayer. That is what we are. We are a house of prayer. <laughs> house of prayer. How was your day? <laughs> we are identified by God as a house of prayer. <clears throat> it is a house of the preaching and teaching of the word of God. Amen. It is, it is also a place where the saints come together and fellowship one with another. <clears throat> the apostolic church uh, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Also, the house of God is a place where the ordinances are, are um, 
are, are done. We, we obey God in, in the ordinances of baptism and the remembrance of our Lord and the Lord's Supper, a place of breaking of bread and the Lord's Supper. It is also a place of, of praise and worship and singing unto the Lord because we are <coughs> commanded to uh, sing uh, before the Lord in Ephesians and also in Colossians, Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. But the church is also identified as a house of prayer. That is what we are identified by. A part of the, the apostolic uh, practice, uh, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And we are a house of prayer. <clears throat> this is what we are. And thus, it is also what we do, because it is what we are. As a house of prayer, we are to pray. We are a regenerate people known by our praying. <clears throat> when the Lord spoke of Saul of, of Tarsus, who, was, who met the Lord on the Damascus road, when he spoke to Ananias, he said, Behold, he is praying. It, it, and, and Saul of Tarsus had never prayed before that time. Now, he had gone through forms of prayer, but he had never prayed by the Spirit working in his heart before that time. We are a regenerate people. We are a born-again people. We have been given a new heart. We have been given uh, the mind of Christ. We have been given the Holy Spirit, and we are known by our praying. And so what do we do? We pray before we meet. We pray individually. We pray in our homes. We pray alone. We pray with our families. But we also pray before we meet in this place. We should be praying for our pastors, the men who preach. We should be praying for the fellowship of the saints. We should be praying that God will bless us as we gather with his people and that we could be a blessing in the lives of his saints. We pray before we meet. We open our services in prayer, don't we? We begin with prayer. We have a pastoral prayer. I'm talking about us now. <laughs> That's what we do. We, we have scripture reading and prayer, and a brother comes up here and he prays and he reads the word of God. The preacher prays before and after he preaches. Have you ever noticed that? <clears throat> when, when it's absent, I notice it more. <clears throat> we close in prayer. We close our service in prayer. And we also have special meetings for prayer, like this one. And so we are practicing what we are. We're a house of prayer. <clears throat> now, God has ordained that his house will be a house of prayer. He has ordained that. It, it was God's mind to do this. It was God's will that this be the identity of his church, <clears throat> that God ordained that we would be called a house of prayer. It was his decision. It is not a creation of church elders. The elders didn't get together and, and come up with a good, a really 
healthy, wholesome idea that we're going to be a church that prays. That wasn't the elders who decided that. The pastors did not decide for us to be a house of prayer. It is not something that churches have to vote on. We don't come together in a church, prayer, uh, church business meeting and, and somebody um, makes a motion that we become a house of prayer. No, it wasn't somebody's good idea, but it was God who ordained that his church would be a house of prayer. <clears throat> I just said all those things to emphasize that it's God. It, it's the will of God that his people pray. He wants a people who are alive. He wants a people created in his image and now restored into his image through Christ, and he wants them communing with him. He wants them fellowshipping with him. And so he has ordained that the church is a house of prayer. God has ordained it. God has guaranteed that his church will be a praying people, a house of prayer. God has made it a guarantee that his church will be a house of prayer. It is what he has decided to do, and it, has, it is what he has provided for in giving us everything we need to be a house of prayer. He gave us his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was poured out upon the church, upon the disciples at Pentecost, and the church was born. <laughs> she came into existence, the New Covenant Church. I know in a broader sense we can say the church, the, the, all of God's people, we will all assemble in heaven someday. And it won't be Jew and Gentile, Jews over here and Gentiles over here, but you'll sit down with Abraham, you'll sit down with Isaac and Jacob, and you'll be with all of the elect of all the ages, and there will be one church. There won't be two churches. <laughs> and, and, <clears throat> and so God <clears throat> gave us his Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is the spirit of prayer and supplication. So we can say that we have an inner monitor. We have someone living inside of us who prompts us to pray. We have, we have this, the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us who moves us to pray. The Spirit was given. The Spirit of prayer and supplication was given to us so that we would pray. Not the only reason why he was given, but certainly he was given to us to move us to be a people of prayer. And so the churches throughout the ages have been characterized by what they are, a house of prayer. <clears throat> Do you ever feel convicted to pray more? You ever feel convicted? I do too. Even as I was preparing this message, Lord, am I worthy even to preach on prayer? How can someone stand and preach on prayer? You know, it's like I, I, I've been convicted by my own message. Well, this is the work of God's Spirit. If you're convicted to pray, that is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. When I was a lost little child, I wasn't convicted to pray. Now, my mom used to say to me, she'd come to my bedroom at night and she'd say, Frank, have you prayed? And I'm thankful that I had a mom who encouraged me to pray. And we should encourage our children to pray. <clears throat> our children need to learn to pray. 
<clears throat> but do you feel convicted to pray more? That's the work of God's Spirit. Do you feel encouraged while you pray? Do you, do you feel lifted up? Do you feel buoyed up in, inwardly as you, as you cry out to God in prayer? This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, um, as, as we gather together in prayer meetings, sometimes my heart is very lifted up in prayer. I am very encouraged as God's people pray. Are you ever moved or drawn out in prayer? Is there a, a lifting of your soul, your spirit, your inner person as, as you continue in prayer? The Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit of God comes and, he, and he, he lifts us up as we pray and we enter more into the presence of God in a felt sense than we had experienced before he came. And so God has guaranteed that his church will be a praying people by giving us his Holy Spirit. Now, he didn't leave us there, but he's given us much more. <coughs> what has God given us? He's given us his holy word. We have an inner monitor in the Holy Spirit. We have an inner, the, the Spirit of God is a person and he lives within us and he moves us to pray and he enlarges us in prayer and he encourages us in prayer and he helps us in our prayers. He intercedes inwardly. Christ is outside of us interceding. I know he's inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit but he intercedes at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit does not intercede at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes in your heart. And he moves you as you pray. And, and there are groanings that he, that he prompts within you. It's you who groan as the Spirit of God is moving you. But then he hasn't left us there, but the Word directs us to pray. And we're talking about the Word of God that is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word has so much to say about prayer. This book is just full of, of teaching and commands and encouragements and directives and guidance in prayer. Well, God's Word commands us to pray. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, and there are so many passages I could quote to you, or that I couldn't necessarily quote to you, but, but that we could look at in his word. But God's word commands us to pray. He says, pray without ceasing through Paul. And that is a command to the church Amen. at Thessalonica. Pray without ceasing. It's a plural command. It's a command to the whole church. Pray without ceasing. Don't give up on your regular practices of prayer. This is a command to God's people, the house of prayer. <clears throat> there are also scripture exhortations. Not only are there commands, God has given us the Holy Spirit to encourage us in prayer, but he commands us to pray, and he also encourages us and exhorts us unto prayer. Paul said in 1 Timothy 2.1, I exhort that prayers be made for all men. I didn't quote the whole verse, but I took the first part and the last part and put them together. I exhort that prayers be made for all men. Paul was encouraging the church 
to pray through Timothy. So Timothy is to teach the men to pray, the whole church. And so we have exhortations in Scripture. We have the example of Jesus to from in the word to show us that God would have us to pray. He showed us by his example that we are to be a praying people. He prayed as as he came up out of the waters at the, at his baptism. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed at that that crucial moment when he was choosing the 12 disciples. He prayed and then he chose the 12. Jesus prayed so many times. There, was a time, there were times where he prayed all night. He prayed in, in, the, in the Mount of Olives. It was a place where he prayed. He prayed in Gethsemane. And oh, what an example we have of prayer in Gethsemane while the disciples slept. He prayed on Calvary, and he prayed more than once on Calvary. He cried out to his father. So we have the example of the Lord Jesus. God wants us to pray. God has given us ample encouragement to pray. We have the teachings of our Lord Jesus. And so he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven. That's a public prayer. That's an orderly prayer. That is a reverent prayer. We should pray in that way. So we have the teachings of our Lord Jesus. We have his parables. Luke 18, 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, saying that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And he gave the uh, parable of the importunate widow and the unjust judge. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. He spoke about the two men who went up into the temple to pray, the Pharisee and the publican, and he taught us about humility in prayer and not being proud. He gave us, he gives us in the word the practice of the early church in the book of Acts. They were a house of prayer. The early church was a praying people. They were praying at Pentecost before the Spirit was ever poured out. They prayed under persecution. When persecuted by the religious leaders, they gathered and they prayed, and the place was shaken again as they prayed, and they spoke the word of God with boldness as the Spirit of God came upon them. They were a praying people. They prayed Peter out of prison. Peter's in prison, and while Peter's in prison, they had a prayer meeting. And the Bible says that prayer was constantly made unto God for him. They were gathering for prayer. And and that wonderful story about him coming to the gate and and was it Rhoda going inside and and telling him, forgetting all about Peter and leaving him at the gate and he couldn't get inside. And they came out and it was just amazing to them that, no, you're supposed to be in prison and we're praying for you. (laughs) But God delivered him. They prayed him out of prison. And so the practice of the early church is a a grand picture of the house of God in prayer. The epistles or letters of the New Testament teach us to pray. 
by the way, I thought to myself, I'm taking a 30,000-foot um, overview of prayer tonight. <laughs> we're, we're, up, we're up in the high heavens. We're not just looking at one little text. So the epistles or letters of the New Testament teach us to pray. Paul intersperses prayer in his letters. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 3, one of, one of our greatest prayers to consider how to pray for God's people. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul says, as he's writing a letter to the church at Ephesus, he says, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, <coughs> that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Have you ever considered that Paul is praying that for believers? Believers in whose hearts Christ dwells, he's saying that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. <clears throat> that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That's Paul's prayer. <laughs> The practice, the epistles and letters of the New Testament teach us to pray. Paul teaches us to pray. He not only examples prayer, but he teaches us to pray. As he taught the Ephesians in chapter 6, praying always with all prayer, all kinds of prayer, and supplication in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, pray, asking the Holy Spirit to help us as we pray. Men, ask the Spirit to help you as you pray, before you pray, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's the fourfold all of prayer. And so God has made us a house of prayer, and he's given us an inner person to urge us into prayer and to help us. And then he has given us all of these many scriptures, all of, all of these teachings and parables and, and encouragements and, and examples of prayer. God has given us so many exceeding great and precious promises in his word to encourage us to pray. We are encouraged to pray through promises. You've heard me pray it here from this, from this desk. Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I love that promise. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. In Matthew 7, Jesus gave us a glorious promise. Ask, and it shall be given you. And of course, he means 
continuous present, keep on asking. <clears throat> Seek and ye shall find. Again, keep on seeking and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Keep on knocking and it shall be opened unto you. Sometimes he answers us right away. Sometimes we, we seek and he gives. <clears throat> we ask and he gives. <clears throat> we knock and the door is opened. And I, my wife and I can tell you some stories that, that are just wonderful. How even, even we talked about praying about something and God heard us one time. <laughs> God is so good. He says, it shall be opened unto you. But sometimes he causes you to wait. And most of the things you're praying for right now, God knows that you can wait for them. And he's giving you time to wait. He's growing you. Jesus said, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or, he ask, or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, <coughs> being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? House of prayer, you're being encouraged to pray by these glorious and precious promises. Matthew 21, 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if, you shall, if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And the Lord is just encouraging us to be men and women of faith. <clears throat> well, he also not only gives us his spirit and his word and <clears throat> all of these great and precious promises, but we also have ample trials and tribulations and difficulties that God certainly uses to stir us up to pray. Would we be a praying people if God just made everything rosy and wonderful? And we would take advantage of it, and we would, we would grow slack and lazy. But we go through trials and difficulties, and God certainly is using those things to stir his house of prayer to pray. Well, those are wonderful things. God has made us to be a house of prayer. That's our identity. That's who we are. And so that is also what we do. And he has given us his spirit. He has given us his word. He has given us all of these encouragements. He has given his precious promises. <clears throat> he has also given us trials. But from our text, we also see that sin is the great hindrance to being a house of prayer. Sin is a great hindrance in our prayer lives. If we want to bring death to our prayer meeting, and we don't, but if, 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 if we are to have the kind of prayer meeting that we really want to have, we need to be a holy people. We need to be a people 
who, who don't uh, neglect prayer in our personal lives because that's sin. And, and God has called us to holiness. God has called, called us to be a holy people. <clears throat> he says, be ye holy for I am holy. And, and holiness is to be God-centered, not man-centered, not me-centered. I, I, I should not seek holiness just because I want victory. I should seek holiness because I want to please God. Amen. Be holy, for I am holy, he says. And so we need to put away all the sin in our lives. <clears throat> sin is the great hindrance to being the house of prayer. We see that in our text. Sin in the temple worship made it a den of thieves. Jesus said, you have made it a den of thieves. May God give us grace that we might not make the house of prayer in our day a den of thieves. Sin in the church will pollute her and ultimately change her identity. She will make herself a den of iniquity. Jesus said it. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And this is true of the corporate house of God. If we regard iniquity in our hearts as God's people, the Lord will not hear us. May the Lord help us. I know that is kind of a a change of thought as we've, as we've gone along, but that's a part of the text that we see here. And also from our text, we see God's design is that the church would be a house of prayer for all people, for all people. It is a house of prayer, but it's a house of prayer for all people. <clears throat> and so all nations, all ethnic groups, all believers are to be a part of this house of prayer. Now, I've been out of the country. Some of you have been out of the country. And if you've been in churches out of the country, you notice that people in other countries pray. It's very interesting that um, in Malawi, people don't, I don't know if this is British or, or if this is just Malawian, but they don't so much talk about going to church, but they talk about going to prayers. We're, you know, I'm, I'm going to prayers. And I asked a guy one time, I asked a man in the church <clears throat> um, if he prayed. And he said, of course I do. And as we were talking, I, it dawned on me, he's talking about going to church. <laughs> and I, this was Kuchona Mbewe. And, and Kuchona had the idea in his mind that, <clears throat> that I was asking him, if you go to church, when I said, do you pray? Because yes, I pray. Every, every time I get together, you know, I, I, every, every week I pray. Every week. <laughs> I get together with God's people. <clears throat> and so the idea there is that yes, when we gather with God's people, we pray. But I also encouraged him to pray on his own and to have a personal prayer life. And I think that was new to him. He didn't understand that. <clears throat> But, but God has, has made us a house of prayer, and it is a house of prayer for all nations. All over the world on the Lord's Day, prayer is offered. Sweet incense rises heavenward. Amen. Our pastor often speaks of that holy, 
holy, sanctified worship that goes up to God every Lord's Day. And every Lord's Day, prayer is being offered around the world as the churches gather together. Whenever churches meet, we pray. We pray. There are no prayerless Christians. Are you with me? There are no prayerless Christians. And there are no prayerless churches. The church is a house of prayer. Since God has called us to be a house of prayer, let us persevere in praying. Let us not give up. Let us not uh, lay the prayer meeting aside. Let us not think that, oh, you know, there aren't so many people coming and, and I, can, I can afford to be out of this meeting. Do you know, one, one night early in our marriage, Grace was a little girl <clears throat> and we skipped the prayer meeting one Wednesday night. She was out in the yard playing. We were up in Washington, D.C. area. She was out in the yard playing. Do you mind me sharing this? <laughs> she, she's just a little girl at the time. This is almost a different person than the one who is sitting there. Just a little girl, and she was playing, and she threw a piece of metal off of an old stove up in the air, and it came down and hit her on the head, and blood was cascading, cascading down her face. And <clears throat> she came to the back door of the house crying, and I opened the door. And the first thought in my mind was, if I had been in the prayer meeting, this wouldn't have happened. And you know, that was sanctifying. That was very sanctifying to me. Since God has called us to be a house of prayer, let us persevere in praying. If others do not come to the prayer meeting, don't lose heart. This is God's will for us. His church. This is what God wants us to be doing. This is what God has called his church to be, a house of prayer. <clears throat> Martin Lloyd-Jones said, if you want to know the spiritual temperature of the church, and I may not be quoting him exactly, but it was that idea that if you want to know, if you want to diagnose the condition of the church and know her spiritual temperature, go to the prayer meeting. Check out the prayer meeting. See how it's attended. See how the people pray. <clears throat> God has warned us that iniquity would abound and the love of many would wax cold, but he tells us to watch and pray. That's the antidote. The antidote is not, uh, at this point in time, I don't believe, to flee the country, but it's to watch and pray, to be a people of prayer. Well, men are particularly singled out. Okay, men. You're particularly singled out to pray. Did you know that from Scripture? In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says I, in verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We are to pray all manner of prayers, and we are especially to pray for people when we pray. <coughs> Sometimes we pray about a lot of things, but we're to pray for people. Paul says to do all of this, that all of this be made for all men. We need to pray for people, <clears throat> not only people, but certainly emphatically we need to pray for people. We need to pray for one another. We need to pray for our elders. We need to pray. And Paul even specifically says for kings and for all that are in authority. And so he singles out the kings and we're to especially pray for those who are in authority over us. But then, in verse 8, 
and, and he enlarges on that in, in the, down to verse 7. But in verse 8, he says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. And the word men there is not generic. It's specific. He's talking about men. He says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And we know it's men because even in our translation, it says in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. But God is singling out men in this passage to pray. Well, on the basis of this, let me exhort the men who are here today to pray. Men, God has singled you out to pray. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. We have a tendency to hesitation in public praying as men. We have a hesitation. Is it our masculine pride? Perhaps. Is it our reluctance to admit weakness? Perhaps. Is it our lack of tenderness and compassion or meekness? Maybe so. Is it because God wants men to take leadership and emphatically in this matter of prayer? Yes, there's no maybe to that. Men need to be leaders and we need to stand before God's people and pray. So men, come to the prayer meeting with your hearts ready and be prepared to step out in prayer. There may be a rare occasion when a man doesn't pray, but let it not be the norm. Let it not be the norm that you go to the house of God, which is a house of prayer, and that you don't pray, but pray. And determine ahead of time, I'm going to pray. <laughs> Ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to give you burdens on your heart that, that you might have something to pray about when you come together with the Lord's people. <clears throat> the Lord commands us to pray. And so, behave like men. Paul said it. He said, quit ye like men. Act the part of a man. Be courageous. Stand up and pray. I'm often greatly encouraged when I hear the men praying. And everybody has a unique way of praying. And everybody has a different personality. And not everybody prays the whole spectrum of everything, but there are some brothers who pray about almost everything when they pray. And there are some of us who pray differently. But, but we, we have order, and we have the Lord's Prayer, and, and we have a pattern, and, and we are to pray. We are to be men of prayer. Let us pray as Jesus directs us in the Lord's Prayer. It's a corporate prayer. He said, our Father, our Father. We should pray corporately. Prayer is to be Godward. In a sense, <clears throat> forget about the rest of us. Just forget that we're here and lead us Godward. Go before God when you pray. Our prayers are to be directed to God, not to one another. Let us have a sense of who we are addressing, and we should not pray to impress each other. But just pray and weep and shout and whisper, and pray as the Lord leads you to pray. Now, I, sometimes I'm in a prayer meeting, and, and a, a sister may be praying, and I can't even hardly hear what she's saying. 
and I'm hard of hearing anyway, some of you know, <coughs> from power tools, but I'm thankful that someone's praying. And I can hear enough words to know, oh, okay, they're crying out for their loved ones, and God is hearing them. But let us not worry about others. Let us be bold and pray. <clears throat> and so we should begin with praise and adoration and worship. And then, after we have worshipped our God, we should make specific requests. We should make confession of our sins. We should end with worship. May God bless us and help us. When you pray, it is good to pray for expressed and known needs in your life and in the life of the church, burdens that are on your heart. <clears throat> Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. But note that he did say, <clears throat> what things soever ye desire. Let us not pray things we don't desire. Let us pray from our hearts to the Lord. And so it is good to pray for the needs in our lives. Come with desires. Come with the burdens of your heart. It is not prayer if we don't ask for what we desire. But especially pray for others. Pray for the lost. Pray for your loved ones. Pray for the church. Pray for your leaders. Pray for each other. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, may you encourage our hearts as we are in this season of sifting in the church and in the world today, how we pray that you would make us men and women of prayer. Yes. Father, we concentrated on the men tonight, <coughs> but Lord, help our sisters to pray. Amen. Give us grace that we will be the praying people that you have identified us as and that we would practice holy prayer in light of all that your word says and in all that you desire for us as your people. Give us grace to be a holy people, a people who obey the Lord their God, even in this matter of prayer. May you bless us and help us and forgive us for where we have fallen so far short of your great glory. O oh God, you are so worthy that we should pray. Help us, we pray. Help us in our individual lives and help us as a church, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let me ask you to stand, if you would, if you're able. <coughs> and we will read the benediction from Hebrews chapter 13. May the Lord hear our cry. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen, amen. and amen. God bless you.